Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. I freaking love this idea. Oh, but check this out. I buzz my hair, right? Yep. You want to know something? I started out buzzing my hair because I thought it just looked so, so it felt zen-like. Get rid of hair. Don't worry about going to a barber. Nobody liked it. No, my wife doesn't <laughs> like it. My friends don't like it. Nobody thinks I look good that way. I mean, what did your hair look like before? I mean, this isn't, this is not a bad look. I can see you pulling off this look, but how did the hair look before? Just a little bit of extra hair here. Just a little bit of some style, a little bit buzzed okay. on the side, right? A little more at the okay. top. All right. A little fade. Okay. You know how much of a pain in the butt it is to get my hair cut? I can understand how it can be a struggle for some folks, for sure. It is, it's a hassle to go to the place, but fine. I found a place that's pretty close to my house. It's not as, right. it's not as good as the place that I like. Fellow barber on Valencia Street, killer good, right? Yeah, okay. Okay. But place that I go, I have to pay them cash, which means I don't have cash. I got to work out some kind of a deal. No one, yeah, no one has cash. No, yeah. I call her up. I want to make it, it's people, this is going somewhere. OB found a solution for this and he's, <laughs> he's got a killer business. I'm not just talking about my hair for the sake of talking about my hair, but I feel like, let me empathize. <laughs> let me talk about the problem here. So you understand why yep. this is so critical. So it's cash. I even tried to make deals with her, OB. I said, I'm going to give you a year's <laughs> worth of money up front. Just leave me at it, right? That's a great deal. They that should, is she should have jumped up on. Did she not jump up on that opportunity? She didn't want to worry about taking on the money and then she couldn't keep track of it. So we, we went for three months at a time and then she couldn't keep okay. track of it on her papers. Yeah, you should I can you imagine should that, that right? being an arduous task. Yes. Fellow barber, everyone talks about how cool the place is. You don't know who you're going to get. Is it going to be the good person or is it going to be the person who's not really made to do my hair? They hate to schedule anything in advance. They use slips of paper with your name on it that's supposed to... All right. Yikes. There are all these problems. So anyway, the reason that I'm bringing this up is partially because I'm I'm frustrated. I would love it if it was just simpler. I want to book it like an Uber. I want to book it. No, book it like freaking pizza. Make it easy. Even okay. better. So you can track the process. I totally feel that. Right. You know, there's some things that I get when I'm interviewing an entrepreneur. I get the business and I'm excited about this. Some things that I get it as a the user. I freaking anyway. That's the problem. <laughs> I should introduce my guest. His name is Obi Omile. He's he's got a solution for this. It's called the Cut. It's an app where all I do is I hit. I just started this once I found out about you. I hit the share my location with you, and then yep. you show me the barbers locally. I get to see yep. the specific barbers. I get to see the hairstyles. I have one issue with you. I think you could make it easier for me not to have to put my password in and user and all that. I know there's a skip button, but okay. you can still yes, make it a little yes. smoother to get me in. But once yep. I in, once I'm in, I could book with the barber right there if they allow it. Am I right? Yep. All and of the above. And then go in. Do you guys collect payment too? If I started to use you guys for payment? Absolutely. Yeah. Just like you described, super simple, super easy. As soon as you sign up, you can then discover all the barbers in your local area. You can search through their profiles, see the quality of their haircuts, see the barber who fits your perfect price point. And then in a few taps, you can book your appointment, schedule your time, and pay your barber through the app and tip as well. My first question is going to be one that you told our producer, I'm not going to answer. I actually scribbled out the answer so that I don't leak it by accident, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Let me first say this interview is sponsored by two phenomenal companies. If you like what you're hearing here and you say, hey, you know what? I got an idea or I think I want to kick around an idea. I need to launch a website. Go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. And number two, if you already have a site, have business, and you're paying people, you need to go to Gusto, gusto.com slash Mixergy. We'll talk later about why those are great services. Here's the question. Revenue. You told our producer you're not going to give it to us. Give me a ballpark so I know how big the business is, so my audience knows. Um, we're definitely a seven-figure business. Great. That's all I wanted to know. 
I wanted to get a sense of the size. The 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 thing that you built was funded by who? So it was actually we self-funded my co-founder and I self-funded the business with money we saved from working in the early in the, in the first year in 2016 when we started it. And then after that, we raised some money from local angels, like from my alma mater, James Madison, Go Dukes, here in, here in Virginia. And then after that, we um, we actually ran a crowdfunding campaign through um, Republic. And a ton of our barbers and users actually invested in the company. So that was a great like sense of social proof, which led us to get into Techstars later on in the year in 2018. I wish I'd gotten into that. That makes it just makes so much sense. And you came up with the idea because when you were in college, you saw Uber take off and you thought yeah. what? I mean, this is around the time where you saw Uber, um, Lyft came a couple of years, but like you saw like TaskRabbit and so many different like industries being kind of hollowed out from Craigslist and there people were creating individual businesses for specific verticals and like mobile technology was at the forefront. So that's when I really started to think through like, hey, barbershops could definitely use some service like this, but it wasn't for like another two years after I graduated and moved to North Carolina to start a new job, where I actually went two months off being able to find a barber, which for me is entirely too long, that like the idea really started to sit with me and fester. And like my end of like a year later, moving back home and linking up with my co-founder, we bonded over having such bad haircut experiences. And you know, here we are four years later. And the, the problem was, was what? Because you can find a barber. I've gone to, I, I was just in South Africa. Um, boy, at this point, oh, it's wow. been over a year ago. Yeah. I needed a barber. I went on Yelp. I found a dude who's phenomenal. He's on yep. Instagram. I didn't even know he was that good, but I found him right in a foreign yep. country. I needed a haircut. I got it. What's the problem you finding a barber in the DC area? Well, so like I was, I had moved to North Carolina to start North this Carolina. new job. Mm -hmm. And so like around that time, Instagram was really starting to take shape, but like barbers hadn't started using it as a business tool to the same level that they are today. Um, but also at the same time, like if you, like you mentioned Yelp or you mentioned Google, like you can do a search, but typically what you're going to find are barber shops, right? And as you yep. mentioned earlier, like you can't see the individual barber within that shop. So you don't know what the individual barber is capable of. And you also don't really have the option of deciding what barber you want until you pull up at that shop, right? So that was really kind of the idea it was like, there need to be a solution so individual barbers can brand themselves and you can discover that barber and book with them at your own convenience, right? Because um, not even when you find that barber, but then scheduling that appointment with the barber. So when you do show up at the barber shop, you're not waiting like three hours to get your hair cut because if you go on a busy day, you will okay. spend your entire day in the shop. All right, yeah, the, that booking's also a pain in the butt. What, what about this? Once I find the barber, yeah. Well, do I even need the app? Can I just say, you know what? We're now we're now connected. I'm just going to go and book. No, because I still want to book the time. It's the problem of the time is the headache. Exactly. Right. Right. It's twofold. That discovery piece, but also that convenience of being able to book appointments. So that's the reason why people still use the app is because once you once you find a barber, you still want to be able to book with them. And also right. on the barber side, once barbers start using us, they will acquire you to book with their appointments because once they go from managing 300 or so clients, 200 clients by hand to now having like their own personal assistant, assistant in their pocket, they're not going to want to go back. Okay. You know, the other thing that I was thinking of, Uber started out with black cars, these services where the driver was associated with the company. Yeah. I was thinking you guys eventually would be the some dude who's good at cutting hair, who who does it in his place, and I could just go to his place. Or frankly, under COVID, some dude who's willing to do it in the park or do it outside in his backyard, and I go get a haircut. Is that where you're going? 
I mean, we're already kind of there. We have like in our app today, you can book a mobile barber. Like actually like last Sunday, I had a barber come to my apartment and cut my hair in my apartment. So yeah, we do offer that solution already today. And we just want to expand on that and build like more of a premium solution around that too in the future. Oh, that's the move. That's what I want. I don't know that I want them in my in my office because we got carpet, but in the bathroom in the office, I don't know. I mean, I might be a whole experience. They might they might lay out a carpet when they come just so like they can catch all the hair. Right. We'll we'll definitely think they don't give away too many things, but yeah, for sure, we'll build a whole experience around it. Plus, once you open it up to all of them, let them come up with it, and maybe they come up with something brand new. Exactly. But I do like the mobile experience. You're talking about a, a person who comes in with a van, like a man with a van, who I get my hair cut there. Yep. That's well, no, I'm there. just talking about well, well, yes, actually. There are barbers who do have their own vans on the cut. And you can uh, not on the cut, but just okay. in the industry, there are barbers who have their own van. Um, but yeah, like basically if you book a mobile barber right now, basically what that means is that a barber will show up. You provide him with your address or whatever address that you want him to um, arrive at. And then he'll come to that address and he'll cut your hair and then he'll leave right after he cuts your hair. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, I imagine in the future there will be like the cut vans where a barber can then pull up in the van and then you can go get in the van, get your hair cut in the van, then go right back upstairs to wherever you want. Oh man, that's the exciting thing I think about about what you're doing. I feel like the cut could just open this up. And I, I don't mean to be a, a priss about it, but I just want to get a haircut. I don't want to bother with the ex- extra time. How many people don't go to the doctor, right? Because they're sick, but they don't have the patience for that. And so yep. if that dramatic, we don't make the time for something like a haircut. Yeah, like I think about all the times you pushed off a haircut because you didn't know if the barber was going to be available or you didn't want to go in there and wait a couple hours to get your haircut. Right. Like, so you might wait a week or two, which for the barber, that hurts their revenue. And then for you, that's the, that just delays that great feeling, that gratification you get from a fresh haircut, right? So really just simplifying that process is really everything that we've been um, driven for. Okay, so I understand the problem. You then went and talked to barbers to understand their pain. Why barbers and not customers like you who had hair for two or people like me, frankly? What were you thinking of? Well, so, I mean, talking to my friends and talking to other people like you, like we knew the problem existed. Like everyone in their mother has probably had a terrible haircut experience or had a problem trying to find a barber. So like it wasn't, it wasn't trying to understand the issue on our side. The more of the challenge for us is really trying to figure out what barber pain points were, what opportunity that they saw to improve their business and how we could help them get there. Right. And so we spent like weeks, months talking to a bunch of barbers in a local area. Like once I, once we decided that there was enough of a problem, like we built up a list of maybe 10,000 barbers that we could reach out to. So wait, wait, really before you go to that, before you go to that, cause I, that part I think is fascinating. What you did yeah. on Instagram is fascinating, but the part where you talk to barbers, what did you learn that wasn't obvious? What did you learn that seemed like a roadblock? So it was really two key things. Really, it was just a business management. Um, many of the barbers in the male industry, they, I don't know if it was the ego, but they thought they could manage their business themselves. Like they didn't really necessarily see the need for a service like this off the rip because they've been managing their business by hand for so long, right? So that was the big thing, just educating them like, yo, this can make your business so much more efficient, but then also around the growing of their business, right? So like a a barber has a shop or he's working in a shop, the most that he'll get is advertisement from that shop, right? But not all shops are that sophisticated understanding how to use Facebook ads, Google ads, or even their shop may not be placed in the best location to get that organic foot traffic from walk-ins, right? So they just needed another way to grow their business. And by 
putting both sides of the market together, we're able to drive them to business because we have people looking to discover barbers on our platform. So managing and booking is a customer problem. That's not what they're feeling is a big issue. They think they managed it, if I understand you right. Yes. So depending on the level of uh, business a barber had, like barbers who were managing maybe like 100 or so clients, they felt like they could manage that a little bit more on their own. But once you start talking to barbers who had 200, 300 clients, you started realizing, hey, they those barbers would realize they had a huge issue because they could spend an entire day managing, trying to manage appointments, yep. like text messages and phone calls from customers, whereas now they don't get that much time to spend with their family or they don't really have time off because they're always doing that, uh, I guess, management side or back inside of their business. Okay. And then you... Sorry, I just got an alert. It said your internet connection is unstable from Zoom. I love that they. I love that they at least tell me, but um, that oh. was shocking for me. You can still hear me, right? <laughs> yes, I can. Okay, so you understood. You understood their problem. What's the next step for for getting this off the ground? I imagine it's getting your co-founder, right? Yep. So. Understand. I mean, well, we did that kind of customer discovery together. So at that point, we'd already been like working on the idea together. But the next step was one, building out like the MVP or the minimum viable product, like the like basically as much of an app that we could get out the door quickly to show value to barbers, right? And so my co-founder with Technical Wizard, he decided he will, we just, well, it wasn't really decide. Clearly he would be the one building this out. And so he started working on building out that MVP on iOS. And then for the next three or so months while he was building that out, I spent time on Instagram scouring a bunch of different barbers pages. So this is in 2016, a bunch of different barber IG accounts looking for barbers who were accepting appointments via direct messages or DMs. And so I would build out, I had, like I said, I built up a list of like 10,000 barbers who we could then reach out to, um, to try to let you, hey, look, I see that you're taking appointments. Hey, we have a better solution. And so... That was what that looked like. Better solution than Instagram. That's what you were competing with, not the phone. Well, both. Like they would, barbers would say in their bios, hey, book an appointment with me, call this number, text this number, shoot me a DM. So uh -huh. they would try to accept appointments via any of those um, vehicles. And so we would say, hey, I see you accepting appointments in these formats, but check out the cut. We're a much better solution. So, yeah. So you're putting that list together. Then you started reaching out to them. What are yep. some of the issues that they that they brought up to you? With the app or just with in being general, on with your platform? Like here's another person with another platform. I don't know. Yeah. I never heard of it. I don't I I'm gonna do them a favor. Nah, I don't have time. That's what I, I mean. Honestly, there was not much pushback, right? The pushback would be um, I'm fine, I can manage it myself via their current like yep. status it's quo, working right that's not a problem exactly exactly that was the kind of thing that we would hear but then for barbers who were actually interested and they downloaded the app and got started they they loved it they loved it from the jump like we have so many of those barbers who signed up in 2016 off that initial app we're still using the app today it's incredible because like from day one they saw the incredible value like having their own assistant more or less who could manage their appointments for them all in one place and then also drive them new customers, it was a godsend. So when they were getting orders, would they have to go and list their, they would have to add their their appointments to your app, right? 
basically no so like once a, okay so a barber would download the app he would add his photos or they would add their photos yep. they would add their services set the prices for their services and that's all they need to do because then on the customer they would invite their customers to come and book with them or be discovered by new customers and then the customer can book the appointment book the time available that they want and pay through the app and then the barber could then with one tap just confirm the appointment and it would show up on the calendar or they could set up auto confirm and then all the appointments would show up on the calendar without them having to do anything what about if they had an appointment from somewhere else like an ongoing person who they wrote yep. in their book they would have to go and add that manually to the to the app right yes and no um they could add the first time like add that man if they had like scheduled appointments before they downloaded the app they can manually add those into our app for them okay. um, for themselves. But at the same time, they would just tell those, like, if I have a client who books with me every Tuesday, I would just tell that client, hey, instead of like sending me a text message, just book your appointment in the app. That's and then the now you're set every Tuesday. And now they don't have to take it. That's the part that I thought would be a big issue. That and another one that I'll bring up in a second. But I thought that would be a big issue because now instead of saying to the client, I'll take your, I'll take your time and I'll put it in my book. You're saying, go download the app, then go learn the app and create an account, then book me through there. And by the way, if you see someone else who happens to be a little closer, you might end up going to them instead of just having this one easy transaction of booking the way you're used to. That seems like a pretty big ask. So it's a big ask. It's not, okay. So for those who are less tech savvy, it, the ask was bigger. But we were, a lot of the barbers would, a lot of the customers tended to be between 18 to 30 or so. So like they were already tech friendly and tech savvy. So it wasn't a big ask to have, ask to have them download the app and book with them directly because we would send barbers a custom link that they could send to their customers where if the client download, like tapped on this link, it would go directly to that barber's profile. Got that deep so link, barbers, yeah. So they, Exactly. So clients didn't necessarily see those other barbers in the area. But then, yeah, sure. We did have barbers who would mention that I don't necessarily want to be here because now my customers can see other barbers. But then that would the onus would then just be on the barber to continue to provide such a great experience that your customers don't want to leave you. Because getting a haircut is one piece of it, right? But it's that level of customer service, it's that relationship that you have with the barber that has you staying with the same barber through um, thick and thin. All right. The next uh, issue that I thought they would have, I want to come back and ask about. But first, let me tell you everyone about my first sponsor. It's Gusto. I told you uh, that Gusto was a sponsor and you said we use them. And then you got excited. Yep. Why Why you get excited about a, a payroll system? Because yeah. <laughs> Gusto is amazing. Um, it's so easy to manage your employees, to manage benefits. Like it's all just a couple clicks. They file taxes for you. They file paperwork for you. It's honestly like if you're just a one-man team or like a super lean team, it's a whole HR professional in-house. And yeah, nah. I feel like if anyone's starting a business, they should definitely look at Gusto for managing it um, for them. Did you actually managing use HR. their HR expert? Did you have to call them ever? No, uh, we we very rarely had to call them. It's honestly just, we enroll our employees. They send employees all the onboarding paperwork. We, have, we just didn't have to verify it. They pay our employees. They manage, like I said, all the tax bonds on a quarterly basis. Um, annual basis, benefit enrollment. It's honestly gets, it reduces the amount of work you have to do as a CEO, which is incredible because you know you have so many other things that you need to yeah. focus on. There's just one less thing you have to have on your plate. All right, I'm not gonna say anymore. I'm just gonna say, if you're listening to me, go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. When you use that URL, they're gonna give you three months for free. And frankly, you're also just gonna learn about the product and see why so many people that I've interviewed have 
been with Gusto. I told you I was interviewing the founder of Shift. He was with them up until he got so big that he was about to go public. And even the founder of Gusto said, okay, at this point, we're not focused on publicly traded companies, switch off. But when he was with Gusto, he loved it and they helped get him there. If you're out there, go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. See why so many business owners, so many people like you are so lit up about Gusto. All right. The thing is cash. I feel like one of the problems is that they don't want to, that the barbers don't want to pay taxes. Is that too wrong for me to say publicly? But I feel it's true. <laughs> I mean, there is definitely <laughs> an inclination for barbers to prefer cash. Um, and it's more of the immediacy of the cash so that they can pay their barber or their shop owner booth rent. Um, but what I will say is that the industry has been changing and that's part of, it's really two things really driving those changes. One, consumers like you and I, who don't have cash anymore, who mm -hmm. prefer digital payments. And then it's also, as barbers become more sophisticated and they think about like preparing for their financial future, whether that be buying a home, buying a car, they can't just always be in cash. They need to have show proof of credit. They need to have more digital payments. And so those two things are really driving more of the change in the industry. And so, yeah, I will say that in the, in the past, Cash is really was dominated in like dominated like barber shops. But like as of recent years, you really start to see more digital payments. Like honestly, Cash App is one of the biggest things in barber shops now today. They're using Cash App to take to take payment? Payments. Yeah, like there are barbers who will accept Cash App, or square payments, regular digital credit or regular credit cards via like, you know, um digital processors. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, card payments are becoming more and more commonplace in barbershops today. I'm loving that stuff. I love that a babysitter will say, can you use uh, Venmo to pay me? I go, yes. Exactly. I don't have to like, waste my daytime going and getting you money. Okay. Because who has time to find ATM anymore? Yeah. How much, how much, uh, how many people would you say you added to your spreadsheet for Instagram while your co-founder was coding and you were list and you were getting a list? How many barbers would you say you found? 10,000. It was like, I remember that number like very, like one very, at a like, time, clearly. copy paste. Yeah, you this were, is uh, yeah, this is uh, yeah. I had it, I had them written down in a notebook at one point, um, because like uh, I'll be doing this at my job, like I had a day job, and so basically I had my day job, and I built up this list while at work in my downtime. I had my notepad, and I'll be writing down their phone, their contact name, their phone number, their email, whatever I could get. Um, built up that list, multiple pages, and then I transferred them to a spreadsheet over like the course of again like three months because that's how long it took him to build it out. And my, my goal to leave my day job was once we launched to have X amount of barbers convert. And so we had, I think, 2,500 or so from that initial 10,000 list end up converting. And that's when I was able to tell my parents, yo, I'm quitting. Um, yeah. I'm going to move back home and I'm going to build this company. What did it feel like to go back home? Did it feel like, like you're being a baby again? Uh, I mean, definitely. Uh, it was, I mean, you know, your parents love you. Uh, I was incredibly fortunate to have parents who were able to take me in. And yeah, I mean, they just loved being able to take care of me because I've been off in college and working in a different state. So they wanted to make food, you know, do things like that. So I mean, I feel like nice. also your parents must have known this is who Obi is. I was looking at your childhood. You sold newspapers. <laughs> yeah, my first ever job was selling newspapers at the train station near my house when I was like 11 or 12. And so like me and my little brother and sister, which were younger than me, we would go out to the train station at like six o'clock in the morning. And as people were coming out of the Metro, we would be sending them, selling them newspapers for like a quarter of pop, um, which is fun. It was cool. It was my first chance, like making my own money. Like I've always been the type to want to like, 
like create my own destiny. And so that's kind of what this entrepreneurship journey is. Um, but yeah, I like that. that was like my By the first way, you were selling the Washington Times, not the Washington Post, the conservative <laughs> Washington Times. When I see your politics now, I think, whoa, they, they must have been the same politics back then. You weren't concerned about it. Maybe you didn't even know the politics of the of the Washington Times, right? Yeah, I would say I was a little bit more naive to the politics of the Times versus the Post when I was that. When it was I was just a newspaper and an opportunity yeah. to sell and newspapers are responsible. Selling is what, do you feel like selling is what you were about at heart? Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't always just say it was selling because it's not even to me, even today, it's not about just like selling to get somebody to purchase something. It's more about like solving people's needs or solving people's problems and helping them like, you know, find what they need. So it was like talking to people, understanding what they want to purchase and making sure I can get that in your hands. Right. So that's kind of what it was always been like, making sure I can make people's lives better has been something that's always been important to me. Genuinely make So when you, you talked about working at Cold Stone, I love that ice cream place. <laughs> <laughs> you you must not love it. Did it make you sing every time somebody ordered? Yes, it was tragic. Um because <laughs> people were people were funny because they would they would try to drop like a quarter or something in there and like and demand you to sing a song. And like me and my friends behind the counter, our personal rule was like if it wasn't green, you won't hear me sing. So like we had a minimum of at least a dollar before we would sing. But I mean, I'm like I'm a I I can be a pretty extroverted guy. Like I love making people laugh. So like we would just have fun behind the counter. But I mean, it was a great time. Um, that was a great time. I won't even lie. That was great. You loved it. I did hate. I hated ice cream though for like less for like the next three years. But <laughs> you walked into it loving ice cream, and then you hated it. Basically, because yeah. I just ate so much of it. Like that every day, so... I would go home with so much ice cream. It was a problem. That's the the problem with that place is that even if you don't like ice cream, they have like Twix and all this other candy that they will chop into the ice cream. So I could imagine as a snacker, I would just keep snacking on all of it. Yep. So, and then the worst did, part is like when you can bring your own stuff because I used to bring in like honey buns and other wild things to put in there. Add it into your own ice cream. Yeah. Mm. So that was a problem. Yeah. I can imagine. We were just having a conversation. A few entrepreneurs. I won't say their names are very well known. We were talking about like edibles versus drinks. And can you imagine if they brought edibles in and chopped that in into into oh, the ice Jesus. cream? Oh Jesus! Oh Jesus! I feel like that's the future. I just interviewed the founder of LeafLink. This dude is killing it with uh, a marketplace for buying and selling cannabis-related products. He's, he's looking at a, a world which is soon going to completely embrace cannabis. Can you imagine Stone Cold one day offering this? I mean, I imagine many retailers will, like in some form or fashion, because like yeah. the number of, like the amount of the U.S. population and just the global population who has become more receptive to it, like it would just be a, a mishap on a re- revenue opportunity right. for right. them not to include It would that. be like those restaurants who don't offer liquor when people just want to celebrate with a glass of wine or champagne instead of apple exactly. juice. Yeah, I get you. Um by the way, are you recording your story? I feel like you should be documenting it in your journal or something. There's something to what you've done. The story captures my imagination because it's so clear. It's not like you're taking on this huge like AI-based software or something. You're saying there's a real clear problem. No one's solving it. I'm solving it with by bringing an idea that's already existing, and I'm applying the same kind of... I don't know, the same kind of entrepreneurial energy that I applied when I was a kid selling newspapers. Do you feel that at all? Yes, I do feel that, that like, yo, what we're doing is pretty, I mean, it's not basic, but like we're solving a real problem that exists. It's not like you said, we're doing something. We're not trying to create a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. We're actually like helping people with their everyday lives. Um, Am I recording it? I don't think so. Or at least not doing a great job at it. Great job at it. Um, I could probably be a lot better, but yeah. Uh, I 
feel like you should. I think that these day-to-day things that you're experiencing will end up making a good book, great like talk somewhere. I don't know. All right, let me continue then. What percentage would you say said yes to you and how many barbers did you end up with at the end of this whole Instagram campaign of yours? Yeah, so like basically 25, 25, excuse me, 25% of the initial barbers I've used Tau to ended up downloading the app. So like we got- 25%? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Like we ha- I'm sorry, I had that initial list of 10,000 and then like 2,500 immediately had signed up for the app um, within like the first month of reaching out. And then I think by the end of that year, we had grown to something like 3,000 or okay. so. By the end of the first year, 3,000 barbers and like 10,000 total users. Okay, so you had supply. How did you get demand? How did you get people to to use your app? So the first year, it was definitely heavily focused on barbers. So like, I guess, like I described before, like many barbers kind of had their own book of business, right? And so really what we were providing them was a tool to manage our business more effectively and efficiently. So those barbers would invite their customers, right? And so those barbers invite those customers to our platform, those customers start using us. And so then if you need a barber and you ask your friend who happens to be booking appointments for their barber on the cut, they tell you about the cut, right? Mm. And so that word of mouth referral is kind of how we, that engine got started early in our days. And that's kind of what, that's not kind of, that's exactly what still fuels our growth today. Organic referrals from both sides, barbers telling other barbers, friends telling their friends about the app that they're not using to book with their barber. And then over the last couple of years, we really built a, like a brand on the consumer side, um, really trying to encourage people to use us to discover barbers and to try to like become synonymous with barbers and barbershop culture. So, why did you have such a hard time raising money? I feel like this, well, maybe we talk about uh, what you were charging. What was the business model at the time? <laughs> that was the reason why we had a tuggle raising money. Uh, so at the first, from the outset, we did not charge barbers. We gave them to for free. So basically barbers could use the app for free to grow their business. Because for us, it was really about, we didn't want them to feel like they had to pay for this. We wanted you to show you the value that we could provide you, right? Like you will receive incredible amounts of value for this. And after using this for X amount of time, you will get hooked and you will be willing to pay for this in the future. Right. And so that was our main, that was our idea. Um, so we didn't charge barbers for like, we didn't charge barbers up until last fall is when we started charging barbers and then we would make money on transactions. So if you pay for your haircut through the platform, we would make money in that sense. That was in the but beginning. Yeah. It was transaction or not even that. Um, so the first year, no transactions. transactions no transactions. Didn't come in- yeah, we didn't make money yeah, until so we launched in 2016. We didn't start making incremental revenue until 2017. Okay. And then 2017, the first thing that you charged for Trans- was led, taking a percentage of Correct. transactions. If a barber wanted to accept payments, you worked, I think you guys were using Stripe, no, am I right? Uh, the, initially, we used Braintree for payment okay. processing. Um, that was the first year. We, we switched over to Square last year. And then now we're actually getting ready to move over to Stripe. Okay. Why? What's the difference between all three um, of them? So, what I mean, in initially when we started off, Braintree wasn't as... Uh, in, the, in the beginning, they were all kind of at the same level. Stripe has just evolved their products so much faster than everybody else. Um, the reason we're moving to them is because they just have a better product to better facilitate payments and transactions. What are you um, seeing that's yeah. better for them? Are they? I think they're making it easier for you to then pass the money on to people on your marketplace, right? 
Correct. Faster That's payout times because like immediacy, immediacy of payments is why like barbers love cash, right? Like I can get my money right now in my pocket. And so through Stripe, we'll be able to offer like instant payouts, which basically is the same thing for barbers. They can get their money like same day. And so uh-huh. that would be like a huge motivator and a driver for them to process payments. Right. Then they might as well use you instead of asking their customers to use uh, um, the cash Stripe app, I guess. Or, or yeah, cash app or anything else like that. Yep. Okay. So you then went to raise money. They said, you've got all this action, but we don't, but we don't see any money. Why is that a problem? I feel like that's a lot of consumer products, a lot of money. And isn't yeah. that how, what happened with Instagram? A lot of users, not much money. And then we figure it out later. Yeah, I think the problem is like with a lot of consumer apps, right, who kind of like bank on selling ads, they can go that freemium or free product, get a bunch of user activity, and then you'll figure out some way to later on ads, right? So for the cut, eyeballs or eyeball, like time on screen is not something that's important to us because like for our app to truly be as effective, barbers aren't spending time in the app looking at the app, right? Because it's super simple for them to discuss, like to manage an appointment. Same thing for the client side. It's like you go through, you discover a barber, you book an appointment. There's not much time for you to kind of be scrolling through the app. And so we didn't necessarily have the ad play. So barbers didn't, or so investors were trying to, we didn't have the ad play. So investors didn't have faith in that. Then also in terms of just the market size, many investors that we spoke to did not see the opportunity because they didn't understand the market. They didn't realize how many, how much people spent on haircuts, how often they went to go see their barber and they just didn't see the vision. Um, so that was the hardest part is convincing barbers or convincing, convincing investors of the opportunity at hand. Um, the market was big enough. Exactly. That the market was big enough that barbers would pay for this service and that the industry would not be cash based forever. Like those are the three big things Uh, that we had to try to convince um, investors from the outset. So then your first money, did it come from Republic? No, our first money came from like angel investors from my alma mater, James Madison. Uh, We went and pitched some uh, investors there and we were able to raise 40K from them in 2017, the fall of 17. And then at the end of the year, we raised another 40K from those same investors because they we had such great traction, they just wanted to double up. Um, so that was what happened in 2017. And then in 2018, we ended up running the equity crowdfunding campaign through Republic. And that's where we raised about another 100K. And then that following summer, we've gotten to the Techstars program. And then how, and then I feel like things must have changed because you know what I'm seeing as I look at this, nobody's expecting a marketplace to make money from advertising or eyeballs. It's just that you might've been thinking that way because I, I just feels like you were too outside of the, the startup scene that if you were a little bit more plugged in, you would understand how to talk their language. And naturally you would have found investors who love marketplaces. They're investors who love it. Right. Yeah, for sure. And we did find those investors over time like that. That in itself was a problem that we just didn't have the network, right? Me, me and my co-founder being in this DC area, we didn't really have that strong yeah. network, right? But even as we started to discover some of these marketplace investors, their main concern was whether or not we would still be able to get transaction volume through the platform, right? Cash base. Will mm-hmm. people be paying for haircut digitally? They, they were weary on that. And so it just took a harder time for us to convince them. And like you said, understand how to talk their language um, to really get them over that hump. All right. You raised, this seems so small considering $93,842,000 from Republic. Do you remember when that closed? Are you enthused? Absolutely. That was nuts. Cause like, like I mentioned, like 
a ton of our barbers and then users actually invested in the company. So like to them, that to us, that buy-in was incredible. It was like, wow, you guys really believe in what we're doing this month that you're willing to put your own cash up, and which also helped us get into Techstars. But yeah, like that was wild to see that. Cause that was at that time the largest inflection of cash or influx of cash into the business. So every time we still get like the largest sum of cash at one time, we're all me and my co-founder always just take a step back and was like, yo, this is wild to think about at <laughs> times. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. I'm going to talk about my second sponsor. Then I want to know what you did. Uh, what happened when you started bringing in money? My second sponsor is HostGator. Let me ask you this. I asked the same thing of the founder of, um, uh, oh shoot. I, I asked this of other sponsors. Is there another, is, I asked this of other guests. Is there another marketplace idea that is out there that we're not noticing, but you are? What else is out there? If you, if someone were to say, you know what, I'm going to go and sign up for a HostGator account and I'm going to create another marketplace, LeafLink. I asked uh, Ryan Smith of LeafLink. He said, anything that's B2B, there's not enough marketplaces for them. And so if you're thinking about a coffee shop, for example, they go directly to the seller of the coffee to buy the beans directly. This says create marketplace for B2B businesses. Do you have any ideas for what other marketplace? If someone's listening, inspired by you and says, Andrew's doing this ad for Holeskater. I'm going to go sign up and run a marketplace. What's an idea that you think is out there? I mean, I wouldn't even, well, one, what his advice around marketplaces and trying to find anyone where there's like a a business who has to like source different like goods from any mm-hmm. providers, that's an opportunity, right? But like, I wouldn't necessarily like sell you to just straight marketplaces. I would just like think of any idea where you yourself have had an issue trying to solve their problem, whether that's you finding X, Y, or Z good or X, Y, or Z good. Yes. I, I couldn't tell you right now. Um, honestly, I've spent so much time in the cut that I haven't even spent that much time thinking about other opportunities. Um, but yeah, I mean, just thinking about like any like service provider who has to manage their business by hand, who has a tough time trying to find clients, that's an opportunity. So maybe, maybe you want to think about fitness professionals, right? Like maybe like a marketplace to help you find like a fitness trainer or a PT. Like there might be opportunities Ooh. there. So that's like, a yeah, great I mean, one. Yes. All right. So. Whether it's finding a fitness professional, imagine like the Uber of trainers. They come to your place. They have this whole, now we've got all these video training. Well, imagine if a comes into your house or a woman comes into your house and works. All right. There's that or any other idea. When you're ready to start your site, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. When you use that slash Mixergy at the end, I get credit and you get the lowest price that Hostgator has available. And frankly, they just have good service. That's really low price. It's not like me saving you a few pennies is going to make a difference. Here's what's going to make a difference. It just works. You get started. And that's it. Hostgator.com slash Mixergy. All right. What happened when you started to charge? Any pushback? Any challenges? No. For sure. I mean, so when we launched our like subscription model for barbers in the fall of 2019, we saw pushback. We saw barbers who said, oh, you guys were supposed to be free. Um, but like what we noticed is that the barbers who ended up leaving were barbers who weren't booking a certain level of appointments, right? So they didn't see the value in appointment booking because they weren't trying to manage that many like that many appointments. So like for them going back to pen and paper or like a manual scheduling process wasn't that big of a deal. But for barbers who are actually like managing up like hundreds of appointments every month, those were the ones who we saw stick. And we probably converted like 40% of those barbers who we had initially free paying once we rolled that out. Imagine they must've also been frustrated because they were using this thing for free and now they have to pay for the same thing. Yeah. 
That's the yeah, challenge. Sure. You guys started out with free instead of saying, look, this is free up until some point and then we'll charge either a point in time or a number of users. Okay. I'd say that was definitely a challenge. But even then, like, so we would travel to barbering expos around the country, right? And so when at these expos, we would talk to barbers, let them know about our service. And we'd be like, yeah, we're free. They'd be like, yeah, but for how long? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, they, they, many of the barbers were like, they knew, like, there's no free lunch, right? You're going to have to pay for it eventually. So barbers were like, most barbers knew they would have to pay for this at some point. Um, and they were just like trying to get the most out of it while they could while it was free. What was the subscription price? Uh, $20 a month would be charged barbers. That's killer low yeah. for B2B, right? For a business tool. Yeah. Okay. And what is it now? It's still $20 a month. Like we just wrote. It's still $20. Yeah, it's still $20 a month. Yeah. Okay. All right. And as long as they just use you for booking, yeah. that's all they have to pay. And then if their customers pay using your uh, platform, then they pick a uh, percentage. What's the percentage? Uh, so we charge barbers like 2.95% on transactions. So like, just like any other payment process. That's like credit card processing. You're not taking exactly. 5%, nothing else. Absolutely not. Yeah, just like so, we charge the barbers that fee, and then we charge customers like a small convenience fee. Oh, so okay. What's a convenience fee for the customer? Like ninety five cents. Ah, so, do you guys hate yeah. money? Do we hate money? No, yeah. it's just like it, it's more of we wanted to fit in the lifestyle of people in a way that they wouldn't notice, it, right? And so, like, we found those numbers to like fit. We actually haven't. Um, as we'll continue to grow, of course, we'll do more testing around payment to see kind of what the elasticity of that is. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean. Today, that kind of works for us. All right. Here's the other thing that blew my mind. You got to 10,000 users on iOS. You didn't explode until Android. Why uh, is Android exploding your user base? Two main reasons. So barbers have customers who have both that, who have like both phone types. Like not everybody has iOS, right? Some people have Android. So barbers wouldn't use us because they couldn't service both their customers. Got it, yeah. Right? So once we were able to have Android on the market, that exploded our growth because of course now barbers can then service both their users. Got it, all right, so that's one reason. What's the second reason? Just barbers who didn't have iOS phones. Like oh, now oh we of course, right. <laughs> look, look at me not paying. Of course, right, you know what? I, I understood that part. I, yeah. I didn't realize, of course, if you guys aren't on Android, I wouldn't give you to customers just in case they are Android. And I don't want them to yeah. now blow back at me like I'm trying to convert them into into iOS, right? Exactly. Got it. All right. I see that difference. Um, one of the things that you told our producer was a challenge is hiring. It's a, hire, it's a challenge for everybody. What's worked yeah. for you? And then let's talk about what hasn't worked. What's worked, and so like my co-founder and I started the company, um, the next two hires we made were people who we also knew from high school. So that was great for the for, for the small team we had. And now it was a team of four that we had up until like this summer. This yeah. summer is when we have actually done hiring. Like we've hired six people in the midst of the pandemic. We've been fortunate enough to be able to grow our team. And what's worked for us is we have such a great story and the business is dope. I will say myself though, I think we've built this pretty dope business and like mm -hmm. it's, we have this great cool factor. So when we talk to people, like it kind of resonates, like everyone's had, everyone knows somebody who goes to the barber or goes to a barber shop. And so like, there's this, like this level of comfort that you have with our business. Right. And then, like I said, we have great metrics and we've built this super dope opportunity and vision that people kind of buy in and that's what's worked for us. Uh, but I, we still have to be, it takes so long for us. It's taken so long for us to hire people because like I said, we're here in the DC area and like some of the talent that we're looking for is in New York or California and they're not necessarily looking to move um, just yet. 
So like, that's something that we've been able to, we've tried to grapple with, but like now in this pandemic um, world where everyone's used to being remote, we've become more flexible with the idea of working remote, which has allowed us to grow our team a little bit faster. You used to want everyone to be in the same office. Yes. I, you- I would still love that. Uh-huh. Um, but like I've had to become more flexible. Are you in the sure. office now or are you at home? I'm kind of looking over your shoulder. Um, I am at home right now, but I go into our office maybe once or twice a week. Uh-huh. The pandemic, has that hurt your sales? It did in yeah. March and April. Uh, we were down like 80, 85% like everybody else. Meaning um, that, on- that people were closing down their shops and then pausing their subscription with you. So barbers were closing down their shops because government orders, they could not be yep. open. So nobody was looking appointments. But in response to that, we decided to make it easier for barbers to stay on the platform. So we reduced our subscription fee from $20 to $5 just so that they can still t- still use our platform to communicate with their customers. So yeah. that as they start to reopen, as barbers got creative in terms of doing at-home services or whatever, that, however they tried to manage that, they were able to communicate with the customers and let them know um, how to book with them or how to get their haircut. Where is it now compared to where it was last year? It's ahead. So we've it's actually grown. Yeah, we've our business has has been has we've been forced again to like COVID has acted as more of a tailwind for the industry. So like as they started to reopen in May, we saw our business triple in terms of the number of new users we were getting. Literally, it was three times the rate at which pre-COVID levels. Why? And so as they started to reopen, a few things happened. They required barbers and stylists, whoever working in that type of industry, to use appointment booking software, right? They require them to use this type of software for contact tracing to mitigate walk-ins and so that they could try to like um, manage the number of people in the barbershop at one time. So those are kind of like forcing functions around barbers using appointment yep. booking software. Because like, like I mentioned before, like our biggest thing was educating them on the value of this type yeah. of software. So this kind of helped like escalate that to an extent. Um, so yeah, that was really what drove our business and not just us. Like we've seen it as like a rising, um, as a tailwind for the entire industry as a whole. But yeah, now we're booking, like I said, we're booking about a million appointments a month now. Well, that's how we ended the year. Um, last year we were booking at the end of last, at the end of 2019, we were booking about 700,000 and then now we're booking a million a month. So, yeah. Wow. And are you seeing them get more and more creative about how, how to handle, well, how to handle COVID by inviting people to their home or going to people's homes. Are you seeing that kind of creativity happen? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot more barbers now doing house calls and even we built out a better way for barbers to book house call appointments. So like barbers can now, like we built in the features. So like you can actually have a barber come to your house and provide them address. We made it easier for them to do things like that. Um, we donated PPP or PPE to a ton of our barbers in the midst of the pandemic so they could have the right yeah. tools to stay safe. Um, but yeah, I mean, barbers have gotten creative, like some are cutting at their home, some are even cutting outside in the streets or in their backyard. Um, so yeah, like barbers have definitely tried to like navigate around COVID the best they can. Wow. All right. This is killer stuff, right? Don't you feel like this is, I feel like maybe I'm a little more excited about your business than you are. I'm kind of watching. (laughs) No, no, no. It's, it's incredibly exciting. I might sometimes, I, I'm a pretty chill guy. So like sometimes I may not get as excited as I should be, but no, I love what we're doing. It's super like every day I get super motivated when we wake up and like a barber will text us or send us an email saying how, because of us, he's been able to stay afloat because during the pandemic, because of us, he's able to spend more time with his family. Like, those are the type of things that like get us riled up and super excited to go out and continue to build software for them. 
I'm excited also about, first of all, I feel like there's huge potential in just doing this yeah. for people like me who still don't have access to it, right? I don't have access to yeah. my barber. She doesn't know my name, my email address. I would contact her and say, look, my wife hates the way I look. I need to look good, right? We're in the house together. Can you just Absolutely. figure something out? She doesn't have a way to reach me and I don't have a way to reach her. That alone, this like what you're solving today makes a ton of sense. I'm even curious about what's going to happen in the future. Will What's the future of of barber shops or barbershop replacements? Will somebody come into into the house? Does it even have to be the cut? Will there be like a blowout that goes to to my wife's to my wife and you know get her hair done? I feel like there's a huge potential here unlocked by um, by technology, and you're right at the heart of it. For sure. I mean, I think for us, the way we look at it is barbershops will always have a place in society and people's lives. Like they've always been like cultural meeting centers in communities of color and communities as a whole. Like you go to a barbershop, it's a safe spent, it's a safe space where you can have conversations. Like your barbers almost like a therapist at times. So I don't think you'll ever lose that aspect because people kind of want somewhere to go get their haircut, right? Mm -hmm. But I do think there's gonna be a ton of change within the industry. Like we mentioned before, like there will be vans, right? There will be more mobile services. Like barbers will have vans where they pull up on a location and you can go in and get your haircut and leave, right? Um, there may be techno- there may be technology out there where you may just put something on your head and cut <laughs> your head for you, right? I should like, laugh, yes. Like, right. Yeah, something like that could happen. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the industry moving forward, but I do think there will always be a place for barbershops and the software to power them. All right. It's the cut. You guys have the cut. Doc- no, you have the cut.co. Correct. Um, and of course, you're on Instagram where you guys are are doing really well on Instagram. That's still sending you customers, right? It's credibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's how we build our brand. And it's like a huge driver of growth for us. All right. And Obi, at some point, will be journaling or maybe, you know, you know what I think you should do? Maybe open yourself up to do like an interview a month or maybe have interns that you talk to and have yeah. like tell their story or maybe students. You, no, it needs to be you recording the the junky part of your day, the things that are frustrating that you think are too frustrating to sit down and journal that five years from now will be moments of inspiration. I I just don't know how you can get to that, but I feel like that's that's something I've I've definitely thought about it. And I just need to be better at like, like, I guess not keeping note and track of those moments. Um, But yeah, I definitely feel like those that are things that those behind the scenes moments are things that really motivate people. And that's what really needs to be shown more. Because you know what? Elon Musk became the richest person in the world. Great story, incredibly inspiring, but also no one's going to go, hey, you know what? I can do it too. What? Why didn't I think of a freaking rocket? It makes so much sense. Oh, <laughs> you were sitting here on Earth, there, right. place, right? That's but a little bit more hard, yeah. Imagine 20 years from now, someone goes, the cut. Of course, he saw a problem that he had. He saw other people who had it. He talked to others. These basics just will always hold true. And that's that's what's exciting about your story. All right, Obi, thank you so much for doing this interview. Let me thank the two sponsors so I could get paid for this interview. All right. The first is HostGator. I'm so glad that they're back sponsoring 2021. If you need a website hosted or you have a website hosted and you want a better hosting company, take it to HostGator.com slash Mixergy. And if you have a team of people, do what Obi and so many other people do to pay them, take care of it, and just be able to move on with their life instead of getting sucked into doing, uh, uh, doing payroll, go to Gusto.com slash Mixergy. I wish I'd invested in them. What what do you think Facts. would have nah, investing in you probably would have been better because your valuation was was super low when you were taking money. All yes, right. we are. Yeah. yeah, those people who who put up money in Republic, I think, are going to be super happy in the future. All right, thank you, you so, so much, Joby. No problem. Thank you so much, Andrew. It was a pleasure. Right on. Bye.